Welcome back to the Power of Sports Nutrition podcast. My name is Liz Broad and I'm an accredited sports dietitian. Today, I'm really happy to have with us Bobby Kelly. Bobby is a guide for vision impaired athletes. I think that's the best way of describing it. So Bobby, you can tell me otherwise. (laughs) And she has guided Melissa Perrine, who we've had on the podcast just recently, an alpine skier, to multiple World Cups and World Championships and a Paralympic Games. And so welcome to the program, Bobby. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's great. I've been trying to get a guide on to talk about their experience in terms of guiding athletes at games for a long time. So I'm really excited to have you here and glad that you've been able to share a little bit of your time and experience with us. But to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into being a guide? Yeah, so I grew up competing in ski racing. I'm from Parisha in in Australia, New South Wales. And yeah, I grew up skiing my whole life. Uh, I was homeschooled and lived just on top of the mountain. So I was constantly mm. skiing. I competed till I was around 20. Mm-hmm. And then I got drawn into coaching, coaching athletes just at the local club there at Parisha. Mm-hmm. And then maybe when I was around, God, I'm trying to remember the exact year, it was in 2018, uh, I got approached from an old friend to guide Mel and to be honest I didn't really know much about the para world at the time but I decided to just give it a red hot crack and see how it went and mm-hmm. just it was almost like a trial day yep and I met Mel obviously that day and I knew instantly that I wanted to do it she was we mm-hmm. meshed really well together mm-hmm. and that's kind of how we started Awesome. And so I guess you you had a pretty steep learning curve in terms of understanding what parasport was about. How different did you find para-alpine skiing from the ski racing that you'd done? Oh, it's it's very, it's exactly the same, just you have to adapt a little bit differently to uh, achieve the same result, really. It's mm-hmm. very similar. But I always, I, I, I think it's a little bit cooler because you have to work with like, maybe something a little bit different and then you just have to adapt. And I think that's what's really exciting about para sports. Mm-hmm. And when you were a ski racer, did you race all of the disciplines that Mel races, like across both the, the speed and the tech events? Did you race all of them or were you more specialised in one area? I did a little bit of everything as a kid. I think when you're growing up, skiing you want to try a little bit of everything and I think it's also really good for your skiing so I I did do speed and tech growing up but I guess further along I I would say I stopped doing speed and kind of just stuck to tech because I just found myself constantly getting injured doing Mm. speed yeah because we we were talking to Mel about what her fastest speed that she's been clocked uh, in the downhill and she was saying that it was somewhere around 126 kilometers per hour yeah yeah Yeah. that sounds about right crazy isn't it yeah yeah I I I think it's kamikaze I, I can't imagine going down a hill at that speed and not being able to see what I'm doing Mind you, the way I ski, I probably would be better off not seeing what I'm doing. <laughs> but how is that as a guide? Like, your, can you kind of describe your role as a guide? Mm-hmm. 
So I ski obviously in front of Mel. Uh, we communicate using Bluetooth headsets mm-hmm. and basically we just ski as fast as we can down the hill together. There's a lot of trust involved in what we do and mm-hmm. a really strong relationship has to be formed because essentially like you do have each other's lives in each other's hands as they're going down. Like we talked about the speeds are going, going very fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and roughly how much distance is there between you? Even though you've got the headsets on and and you're communicating, mm-hmm. how close do you need to be in front of Mel? So it depends on the discipline. In slalom, she's right on my tails. I, I can feel her skis sometimes touching the back of my skis. And mm-hmm. uh, well, every pairing's different in terms of how far, like what the distance they'd like to ski behind a guide is. But Mel mm-hmm. likes to ski really close to me in slalom. And GS, it's a little bit, it's around 10 metres. And then for speed, it's a little bit more than that. Because when you think about the speeds you're going, you want to have a little bit of reaction time mm. uh, just in case something happens uh, going at that speed and your skiing's go so close together, you know. Yeah. And how long did it take for you to feel confident in guiding Mel? Like obviously there's a learning curve transitioning mm. from being your own racer and doing your own speed and turns mm. and and your your technique to having to modify that would I say a little bit for the person that you're guiding how long do you yeah. feel as though that took uh look if I'm being honest I'm still not com- like fully confident mm. <laughs> guiding Mel it's it's something that I've just constantly switched on and trying to just make sure I'm trying to do the right thing all the time. I would never say I'm like fully confident to guide her down because it's so easy to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost like you're doing a tongue twister the whole way down. Um, <laughs> you can easily muck it up. So, so I can you give us a, can best. you give us an, an example of that tongue twister? Can you like to give us maybe a, a quick snapshot of, of the talk that that you're. Yeah. There's so much, I honestly would depend on like the set of the course, but I could be like, all right, come on, Mel, let's do this. I, obviously, I'm saying this a lot louder as well, by mm. the way. I'm, I'm being really <laughs> soft and nice. <laughs> um, I talk really aggressive. Um, <laughs> but I'd be like, come on, Mel, let's, let's go. All right, push, 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 left and turn and turn and roll and light and turn and turn and light and roll, delay, delay, gate, watch out here, Mel, it's kind of slippery, like just uh, mm-hmm. something like that, but probably yep. a little bit more switched on. And <laughs> Yeah, so it's, um, a, it's, it's not only a, a direction, it's also the type of terrain and the yeah. snow conditions. Is that kind the, of what you're doing? Yeah, and the light as well. Um, All right. Mel, the light, if like, because it does change consistently where you ski down, just in terms of there could be like features on the side that could change the light or we could have the sun right in Mel's face, which she hates. Like she mm-hmm. hates the sun. So uh, it's good to give her like a bit of a pre-warning if the light conditions change so mm-hmm. she can try and just get ready for that because her eyes can burn as like as that light changes. Mm-hmm. And also like if I have time then I also like to give because I also know the way she's skis I'd also be like all right you know stand on that outside ski here you can push it here I try and also just give be like supporting while I ski down as well Mm -hmm. 
So both trying to just get down as fast as we can. So there's a little bit of coaching that's going on in there as well in terms of knowing how she skis and being able to predict, you know, where she needs to put pressure or or focus that pressure a little bit more. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Wow, there's a, so you've had to, did you have to sort of study videos of Mel or just watch her skiing or how did you go about doing that? Yeah, uh, I would say we're constantly looking at like myself included, her and then us as a duo um, mm-hmm. and we just like constantly just look at it and uh, uh, like analyse it and try and come up with the best game plan and what we need to work on with the coach as well. I would say we have a really open communication dynamic in our, mm-hmm. in our team. Yeah. Um, so just constantly looking at it and seeing what we can improve on. So I would say we, we both know what each other needs to work on. Mm-hmm. Okay. And does she get to respond to you? Yes, yes. So she has to talk to me just as much as I talk to her. It's not just me talking to her the whole time. Otherwise, I'd get really lost to where she is behind me. I do do like head checks behind to see where she is. Yep. However, sometimes it, it is hard. So sometimes her telling me where she is and like she'll give like a little like, yeah, or got it, yeah, or hold back here, Bob's. Um, sometimes yep. I need that just to have the confidence to know where she is for us to just go. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes there's no time for me to be looking back I try to <laughs> yeah I but, but to it, at those sorts of speeds it's you, it doesn't take much for you to 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 lose your balance but if you're constantly mm-hmm. having to kind of look behind but and also you're meant to be thinking about numerous different things and, and information that you need to give her at the same time so I think you know it's obviously there's so many aspects of it that it can can be quite complex Mm. exactly and so how important is it for you to maintain your own fitness and health and well-being when you're a guide extremely important from a physical like strength and fitness aspect I would say that you're you're an athlete you know like Mel feels like this incredible athlete so I have to match that and like I have to ski in front of her and she's very good skier. So mm-hmm. I have to really just push myself in, in the gym to make sure one, I'm strong enough to keep up with the forces that we're doing in, on the snow and to also make sure I'm not injuring myself. Mm-hmm. Um, she relies on me so like so much when we ski together. I, I, I have to be strong. I can't get – if I can prevent injury, I'll try my best too, you know. Mm-hmm. And then from a well-being side of things, Obviously, that's so important. I think it's become more pre- prevalent in this day and age that we really have to look after ourselves. You know, we're on the road for so long and mm. uh, everyone goes through ups and downs and I feel like the oh, team as a whole can really take that on. So it's important to just check yourself and make sure you're doing okay because it can be a long season. Yeah, so how long would you have to have travelled for in you know in an average year? All up, I would say that we're on snow. Uh, we're like away out of Australia for six months of the year. Um, we'd go back and forth yep. sometimes, but the long the long haul trip could be around five months. Yeah, and 
And obviously, whilst you're her guide and and have to be close in terms of have a good relationship, you're it's like any relationship. You also need a little bit of time apart sometimes. <laughs> so, have you did that? Did you have to kind of learn how to give each other some space as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had the conversation pretty early that we want to have. We have to have a really strong relationship, mm-hmm. and. We talk, we, one of the things we talked about was open communication and we've had we had that discussion pretty early that we need, sometimes we do need our own space, sometimes we can't, like we, sh- we shouldn't share a room and we might share with one of the other team members on the team just to have a little bit of a break. Yep. I think we're both, we're also both pretty close. I don't think we've ever really gone, well, I, I can't speak for Mel, but me personally, I don't think I've ever gone, I need a break from Mel. Yeah. Uh, we produce a good relationship. I think we can also do it just like as just a just-in-case type thing. Yeah, yeah. And when you're on the road, so does that role of a guide go beyond just the training and competition field? Like do you also have to take a role in terms of in a dining situation helping her navigate that or, you know, for example, in airports, which are mm. difficult to navigate for even for those of us who can see everything very clearly. Uh, <laughs> is that something that, that you also take on that role as, as a supporter? Look, uh, yeah, I support her where I can, obviously. Like, I think Mel's a very independent person, so I haven't really had to do that that much, only when she asks for it, really. She's pretty self-sufficient. Yeah. Quite incredible. I don't know how she does it, but she seems to, <laughs> like, she likes it. You know what? She's a better cook than me. She, <laughs> she's she's like, she can sew. She like knits, you know, speed reads, like she's more of a whole human than I am. So (laughs) (laughs) I can't say yes, I do all these things or when I don't. She (laughs) only when she asks, which is on the rare occasion. Yep. Yeah. The main reason I'm asking is because, you know, I've worked with a lot of athletes with a vision impairment and and that's my observation. They are incredibly independent. Mm. But Mm. I think, you know, if anyone was thinking of, of well, what's it like being a guide? I, I'm just trying to get that perspective of, in terms of what is it like. What mm. what are some of the things that surprised you that perhaps you were expecting to be a little bit different? Oh God, you're asking a lot of good questions. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say I had an expectation of what the para circuit would be like. I had no clue what it was going to be like, but that's mm. something I came into fully just with no expectation like everything else is quite the same for me like it is an alpine team I've obviously spent so much time overseas um Mm -hmm. in team alpine team environments before so that everything was quite similar besides it was para sports and I just didn't know much about para really Mm -hmm. and para circuit you know what, actually, I would say that, sorry, I'm just having a think. Yeah, no, I would say fine. that probably how good everyone can ski mm. on that circuit. Like everyone's an incredible skier. There's some people that just blow your mind how amazing they can ski. Mm. And I think that was the thing that really just 
I was so surprised about maybe when mm-hmm. I first came on. Yep. Just the level is unreal. Yep. Cool. And did you learn anything from other guides? Like is there a lot of good camaraderie with other guides or were there things that you learned from from that side of things? Yeah, I, th- um, I think it's really important to talk to other guides, to be honest, and and coaches and, uh, and, and other teams as well to see what they're doing. I think it's been very helpful asking other guides or other duos and being like, hey, like, what do you, what do you say here when this happens? Or what do you, what do you say for light changes? Or, you know, I think it's definitely a way that you can all, all go together. Cause at the end of the day, you know, you want the whole field to improve. And I think everybody wants that. That's what's mm-hmm. so great about, I think, the World Cup circuit is everyone just wants the best for everyone. Like, I know everyone wanting to win but there's also that that feeling that everyone's supported as well and mm. I think if one person improves the whole field kind of goes up with it so mm. yeah because that constant level of competition and and needing to continue to improve is is a group collective isn't it really mm. oh exactly yeah yeah and did you see changes in terms of the number of athletes and guides who were being involved because I think at, at sometimes there's not been a, a large number of female vision impaired skiers. Yes. Has, is that scope changing? <laughs> oh yeah. Even in the t- short time that I was like first started to now, there's some a lot of young, very very strong skiing duos coming up on the circuit that I think is made it really exciting to watch and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, really cool to see that more people, more duos are starting to get into skiing. Yep. Not just Australia, but also internationally. Mm-hmm. And even though Mel's now retired as a ski racer, are you looking to guide another athlete or currently guiding another athlete? I'm actually having a break from skiing at the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, not from skiing. I'm having a break from teaching skiing or skiing for work I've (laughs) I've moved to Falls Creek and I'm working at land management there which I'm really loving and Mm. I get to be a weekend warrior and ski on my on my days off blow everyone away because who's this crazy woman that can just do everything (laughs) 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 so Bobby I guess I mean, this is the Parasports Nutrition Podcast, so it would be remiss of me to not ask a nutrition-related question. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel as though you were pretty conscious about your diet before you became a guide, like as a ski racer yourself and then as a coach? Was that something that you were aware of or is that something that you had to change when you were Mm. being the guide athlete that you are? Uh, yes, and also no. <laughs> I think obviously as an athlete you do take pretty good care of yourself and you're really aware of what you're putting in your body. Mm-hmm. When I started coaching, obviously I felt like I was relaying what you should be saying, what the kids should be eating. Yep. But I probably wasn't looking after myself as well as what I probably should have when I was mm-hmm. coaching because I just you get caught up sometimes with work and mm-hmm. um just I guess everyone else but yourself and then when I started guiding again I I did definitely have to start being aware of what I'm putting in my body again Mm -hmm. 
And so did that change, like what were some of the big changes that you made from, you know, from a nutrition perspective? Well, I feel as uh, we're quite lucky in the team because we get pretty, a lot of education around nutrition. And Mm -hmm. I would say for that point as well, the team also then cooked pretty healthy and we're all Mm -hmm. pretty aware of what we're putting in our body. I would say that just... I'm also just having a all-round balanced diet. It's kind of focusing more on, you know, your protein, your carbs, and your fats, which was obviously advised through our nutritionalist. Mm-hmm. Cool. And what was one of the big things that you walked away from guiding in terms of something that you learnt that you'll take with you in your coaching? Mm-hmm. Probably adapt. Ad- being able to adapt to anything. Mm-hmm. I think being on the circuit for four years has made me kind of see, open up my mind a little bit as in there's a lot of ways you can achieve the same thing, I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Yeah. And what about any recommendations you have for other people who may be interested in becoming a guide, whether it's in ski racing or in other sports? Yeah, so if you're if you're interested in becoming a guide, I definitely recommend contacting Snow Australia or DWA. If you're have a lot of Alpine experience, contact Snow Australia. I'm sure they'll be stoked to see your name pop up on the list. Mm-hmm. Or if you're new, new to skiing or maybe you haven't competed before, I'd go talk to DWA because there's a range of skills of like uh, skiing ability there. So guiding's for everyone. So don't feel like you're not good enough. Go go try uh, guiding and talk to DWA as well. Mm -hmm. And what about internationally? Do you know how other guides have gotten into being a guide? Most of them have come from Alpine backgrounds Mm -hmm. and they just either got approached or put their name on the list in their, yeah. with their national body, like Snow Australia. Yeah. But as you say, yeah. it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a high-level skier because there's people who require support with a guide even learning how to ski, correct? Exactly, exactly. So that's, that's what I'm definitely saying. Don't hesitate to put your name down because everyone needs a guide. Yep. Awesome. And... What about any recommendations for vision impaired athletes who may be seeking out a guide? Yeah, on snow, go speak to DWA. They'll sort you out with guides. We have some great, they have some great guides through DWA, and they'll set you up with somebody. And if you're lucky, you can, you know, if you don't connect with someone, I'm sure they'll put, point you into a, the direction of somebody else. You know, they're quite supportive in that way. So mm-hmm. definitely go chat to DWA. And I imagine even if it was a different sport like track and field or swimming, it would be the same, like go go and talk to your local federation. Exactly, and, yeah. And and there may be some people who can, can help out in that way. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Cool. Well, Bobby, thank you so much for your time and for, for sharing some of your experience and, and your learnings with us. It's terrific that you've been able to, to be involved. One thing I don't let anyone get away with is to not tell me what their favourite food is, though. So, Bobby, what's your favourite food? Um, I would say sushi. 
<laughs> yeah. Interesting. What's yours? Oh, no one's ever asked me that. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever put no one's ever put that back on me in in my podcast. Um <laughs> But I, I, I do have to admit, it's going to be considered a boring answer for a sports dietitian. I'm not. I don't think I'm a boring eater. But I actually really love muesli, like just a natural Swiss style kind of muesli, and I can eat that pretty much at any time of day. And so, yeah, it, it might seem a little bit strange, but that's probably one of my favourites. <laughs> no, that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bobby. I know that your time is tight. You're about to do a, a nice trip overseas to, to Scotland and the UK for a, a little bit of vacation and, and I, I believe a wedding and you'll catch up with Mel while you're over there. So I look, hope you, you have a safe travel and really appreciate your, in, your, your insight and, and also for, for volunteering to, to be a guide. I think you know, I, I've seen some athletes that I've worked with really struggle to find a, a suitable guide for them. And I think in, in some sports that can be really challenging. And I think maybe that people who have the skill set to be a guide don't realise that it, they can help so many different people just by putting their hand up and getting involved. So well done to you on on jumping in there with both feet and and eyes wide open and and giving it a red hot go. Yeah, thank you. It's been nice to talk to you. I think Bobby has highlighted a role that is really essential for some para athletes, whether that's a guide or some other form of a support person to enable that individual to just do their sport. And I think sometimes it can be such a challenge to find the right fit. It requires someone who's willing to commit and commit wholly to the process. But it can be really rewarding and I think, you know, it's a, an extension of being athletic in your own mind whether it's with an elite level athlete or whether it's just contributing to someone who wants to experience sport and exercise in a really safe manner so hopefully there's a few people out there that you know who can get involved i hope you've enjoyed this podcast if you have any feedback or any recommendations on people you'd like to hear or topics you'd like to hear about please leave them on our website and I hope you'll join us next time when we talk to Matt Levy, who is a recently retired para swimmer with cerebral palsy and a vision impairment.